Today, Jack, the show is all about you. You're in full control. It's about your favourite area, cap space. So, mate, that's me done. This is all about you. Go. First of all, hello to Jack. Good morning, Jack. Let's talk to Jack Duffin. Let's bring in Jack Duffin. In our Westminster studio is Jack Duffin. Welcome back to the 10th and final, don't worry, it's not final forever, just our final ever position review as we finish off with special teams. So it's the Jack Duffin Cap Show, live and exclusive on the Paul Brown Podcast Network. I need to put a cheeky little like, bit of music in this gap here, but uh, no, here we go guys. So special teams, and we're just talking about core special teams, so the kicker, punter, long snapper. Obviously, it's hard to sort of balance the impact of people that are on the roster just for special teams. So, like, with the Browns, you've got Tanner Vallejo, which I'd be amazed if we see him out there for any serious run of snaps at linebacker. But uh, he is no doubt a core part of that special teams. But today, we're just looking at the three. So, let's uh, just talk about the, the moves and what's been going on recently. Um, obviously, been a couple of moves, one affecting the Browns, one where we didn't get involved. So um, let's start with the one we were involved in, the Hyde deal. Absolutely fantastic work. Well done, Dorsey. Um, Hyde was only a one-year deal. He's off the books. We had a fifth. People are, oh, what's a fifth matter? Well, Avery is pretty good. We've had some more right, fifth-round picks. So, um, no, I would say sixth and the seventh year, if you're looking at that range, they are literally just punts that don't go anywhere. But uh, no, I say good move, and it allows for Chubb and um, Duke Johnson um, to get more involved. So good news. I won't delve too much into this. I've done it on an earlier pod. And then Amari Cooper. And people are going, well, why does Amari Cooper matter? Well, as a general manager, the deals you make are almost as important as the ones you don't make. And there was lots of people out there going, oh, go give up a second for Amari Cooper. And I know they wouldn't have hit it for the price. But it, that would have been a bad, bad move. The amount of cap, 14 million roughly next year. That's not money you want to tie up in a receiver that's not consistently delivering. And for all I moan about paying Jarvis Landry 15.5 million, he is a very good slot receiver. He's still a slot receiver. So he shouldn't be worth that money, but at least he's got a consistent base of performance. Um, it might not be a high yards um, per catch average, and there's other problems there. But Amari Cooper's not been at the races for two years, so people that wanted to give up a second round pick and fourteen million pounds—it's just madness. So um, thankfully that didn't happen. So well done, Dorsey. I know a lot of the people beating the drum and telling you to get him. Well, stick it to them and uh, do what you want. So, the main content. We're here to talk special teams. So, the target, if you're looking at special teams, as devised by Zach Moore, is 5.5% of the NFL salary cap. So, if we're just looking this year, that comes in at... 
uh, hold on, I've got the number here, a little bit unorganized and flicking between sheets, it's 9.75 million. So it's a solid amount of money to spend on them. Uh, we'll do the long snapper first because it's so easy. Target 0.5%. You don't have to pay them that much. And um, Hewlett is paid 750, sorry, 705,000, comes in at 0.4%. So that's a solid signing. It's a position that isn't very exciting and if you ever hear his name it probably means something's gone wrong no one's ever going you're the best long snapper we've seen um, it's just it's an unglamorous position but an important one nonetheless and then you've got your kicker and punter so be between them you're aiming to spend five percent tier one of that market is two to three percent tier two is one to two percent and tier three is a quarter of a percent to one percent so we've, we've got Greg Joseph, who obviously came in to replace Zane. And then you've got Brendan Colquitt, who beat out Vogel in camp. And I thought, even though Colquitt's a really good punter, I did think we might see um, Colquitt lose out just from a uh, Vogel came from Green Bay and obviously has connections to Wolf and Highsmith. So Greg Joseph... Um, across the year, if you looked at the whole year, was 480,000. So that comes in percentage wise um, at 0 0.27. And then you've got Colquitt, who is on 2.55 million, which is 1.44%. So between the three of them, they're taking 3.735, which is 2.11%, which is really good. Um, obviously, you're thinking, oh, they're only saving 3% there. But 3%, if you go spend it somewhere else, is the wages for Ward. Um, it's not far off Garrett, but it's, that's a little bit more. Um, let's look else who's around there. Um, Fells, as a free agent, is basically... Pay oh, it's more than Fells. Um but it's that sort of great player. It allows you to have sort of an extra experienced O lineman. So whereas if we were paying the full money to that special teams unit, you might not be able to keep, say, Tretter or Betonio. Um, but that gives you that extra money that you can move around there. And I would be in favour of unless you find a kicker and punter that's really, really good, just get rookies. Get rookies or free agents and pay them very little because even though kickers are sort of showing how important they can be at this stage of the season, you've had great kickers that aren't doing it. Dan Bailey, great kicker. Um, holds some fantastic records for consistency and accuracy. He's up there with the best. Um, you've got um, Mason Crosby, who's been good for a long time. Obviously had a mare missing everything a couple of weeks ago. So... Where do you go and get them? And people have been drafting them. Obviously, Bucks. Hello, Adam. You're going to be listening, so I'll stick it to you after you beat us. Took a kicker in the second round, Robert Aguayo. The only pick worse than him in recent history is Barkley. But uh, that's a debate for another time. It just doesn't make sense to take them high. Um, some people argue round six and seven. And I suppose if you're in love with one, there can be an argument for that. But for me, 
there's two places to get kickers, punters and long snappers. One's free agency and the other is as, as undrafted free agents. And I just think if you don't have to spend that money on them, get them nice and cheap um, and bring them in. And then if they're not working out, you just cut them and move on. There's no need to tie yourself to a kicker. And unfortunately, where is such a mental side of the game? If you're having a mare, I don't want to be tying up dead cap with these players. I want to cut and change, cut and change. And but there, there is value to a Colquitt-style player. Of He gets you them yards that you don't see in the stat sheet. Um, and obviously, he's pretty much responsible for that um, two-point safety at the start of the game, um, or early on in the game uh, on Sunday, where he popped it on the yard line, went to the half-yard line, and they stop them there so there is positives but I would say the amount of kickers and punters there are out there in the world get someone cheap um, and if you can spend around 480 grand on your kicker your punter and around the same on a long snapper or at least all for less than a million you're in a good territory and it just means you can spend that little bit of money somewhere else if you can bring in a EJ Gaines style player in two positions because you save money on your kicker and your punter. I think that's a, a deal worth doing because uh, wherever you can get value, it's always worth having. So that's where we're at on that. And yeah, it's a very short podcast because, hey, it's not a sexy position. But I've got something exciting I'm working on um, up my sleeve for next show. So it's, it's going to be very much a data focus one, working with a lot of PFF data to um, draw together some drafting um, strategies and just see what's worked and what hasn't. So uh, it will add a lot more detail to my predictions on when I'm saying, oh, you should get this player in the first round, you should get them in the fourth round. Well, that's based on my gut and what I think. This is going to be much more data-driven. Um, and I might not agree with the outcome, so I'm not even sure what the outcome of this uh, look is going to be. But... Um, I want to do it, so uh, come back next week and have a look. But thank you, for Paul, for letting me do the podcast. Thank you, for everyone, for listening. There's lots of time for questions. So anything you're sat there and thinking, oh, actually, I'd like to ask Jack that, let me know. Just drop me a um, tweet at me on uh, Twitter. And let me know what your question is, and I'll do everything to crunch it up and uh, come back with an answer the next week. But... Um, have a good week, guys. Um, unfortunately, Hugh's still here. That will be changing. But the future is bright. And just one thing I'll throw out. Well done to John Gruden. Lots and lots of people were getting on their high horse and laughing at Gruden when he came back. And I'm not sure about all the decisions he's made in terms of personnel. But he took Maurice Hurst in the fifth round. And he's got one of the best inside um defenders in the NFL right now. I think he's in the top 10. He has gone and taken Cleo Mack and turned that into two first round picks. And if he gets the first pick and gets Joey Bosa, then people ain't going to be realising there was much difference between Cleo Mack and Joey Bosa. Not Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa. Um, and that might seem like a shocking statement, but while the um, Bears are paying insane money to Cleo Mack, when the Raiders had Mac. They were the 29th rated defence, according to Football Outsiders DVOA. And I'll give you a prediction. They're 29th again without him. 
So he hasn't moved the sticks in terms of them. I'm not denying he's a fantastic player, but if you can't get your defence out of the 29th position, are you really worth like somewhere in the region of 25 million a year? No, that's just unfortunately the way it is. So I think they're much better moving on. They can get several pieces in free agency and they can build a much better team. Um, obviously, the Cooper deal was fantastic for them. They've truly robbed the uh, Dallas Cowboys blind. And then next is Derek Carr. Um, Derek Carr goes for, say, a 20... I think it'll be an end of the season. I don't think it'll happen before the trade deadline. No, my luck, this is going to happen before this podcast goes out. But I reckon if you get Derek Carr for a, another 2019 first and then a second and th- or third round pick in 2020, or you might get them the other way around and get the second and third this year and the first round next year, then that deal at the end of the season is fantastic. Cole uh, Joseph looks like he's going to go um, for a probably fourth round pick um, or fifth round pick which, yeah, if he's not doing it, then it's time to move on. But if Gruden can at least just even draft average or slightly above average, he's going to build a very young team with lots of talent and an incredible amount of cap space. And I'm sat here thinking, has Sashi Brown been on holiday in Oakland? Is he been having a word? Because lots of people mock Sashi for what he was doing, but John Gruden's doing it as well. And I would say, looking at where the Browns are right now, Sashi was right. Sashi's built a really solid team, and now it's over to um, Gruden to see if he can do the same. And while no one might give Sashi Brown the credit he deserves, no one might even give him another job in the NFL. There is no denying he has changed the way team building will happen moving forward. And the days of just stick a plaster over it, it will still continue because... Lots of backwards minds in the NFL. But there's going to be lots of people that are out there going, actually, a full rebuild and write off one to two seasons is the best way to go than remaining irrelevant for about 10 years. And there's nothing worse. If you're winning six to eight games a year and you're not going up, then you're wasting time. Rebuild it. Tear it down and rebuild. Because six to eight games a year over a 10-year period, you might get sort of, one little sneak into the playoffs in there if you're lucky. But that sucks to be a fan. I, I want to see my team in the playoffs every year. Or I want to see them tearing it all down and rebuilding it all. So we're looking at a bright future. Um, the future's bright. The future's Baker. Have a good day, guys. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>